Do you think there's a difference in how women and men experience and respond to the pandemic? And can anything about our current situation be considered amusing? Relax and stay tuned. The answer is yes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Boom Talk Media, where Dr. Andrea Gold and yours truly, B.B. Peters, explore the ways in which we live our lives before, during, and soon to become after the pandemic. Such an optimist. We are here today to take a deeper dive into the mystery of how men are choosing and maintaining their relationships and finding meaning during this era of the global pandemic. And we must admit, turning our attention to the males of the species is absolutely fascinating for us and our listeners. Okay then, let's get down to it. Today we visit with three exceptional men whom we've had the pleasure of interviewing four years ago. Their voices and insights lit up the downloads of our podcasts and have remained in the top five most listened to of all times. <laughs> We're so excited to have them back with us today. And we have with us Chuck Corriere, eloquent retired commercial real estate executive. Not retired. I love that. (laughs) Dr. Michael Marks, insightful clinical psychologist and trauma expert, and Ron Reed, a talented talent specialist and multifaceted comedian and actor. And speaking of funny, I'm not really good at doing jokes, but sometime when we were all committed to in-home entertainment during the quarantine, a Saturday Night Live stand-up comedian asked the audience to clap if their fathers were between the ages of 60 and 75. And the audience clapped hard and laughed. (laughs) And then he just says with a straight face, out of nowhere, your dad has no friends. And if you think he does, you're wrong. Your mom has friends. And they have husbands. Thoughts? Reactions? Have at it, guys. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? Is that true? Is that true? Well, I think for me, that's changed. Uh, that was true in the past, I think. Um, and uh, not really so much now. And I think that part of it is that has to do with uh, where I live and how I live, where I'm surrounded by a peer group. Um, and in my, most of my adult life, I was not, I was my social circle of, of men in particular were colleagues, people that I worked with. And and very often there was always the thought for me that there was something that they needed from me. And so that's never a great position to be in. So there's always that, that was, for me, there was always that little slight level of discomfort that kept me, I think, from forming uh, close friendships. And I, I think that, that that has really changed for me in at this stage of my life. And how has that changed? What changed it? Was it you? Was it the environment? How, how did it change? 
Well, I think, it, I think it was the environment. I think it was that most of the people that, you know, in, in Arizona, where, we, where I am, where I think we all are, right? We By the are, way, are yes. we, are, can, can people listening to this, can they see it as well? They've seen video? No. Oh, no. Oh, I can take my stupid hat off. Then. Yes, yes. Okay, this is great. It's all not right. stupid at all. It's lovely no. hat. <laughs> right. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll leave it. Maybe I'll leave it on. <laughs> now that I now that I see myself, because this is like a this is like a terrible tiny electronic mirror. Uh, you know, terrifying, terrifying. Yeah. So um, I don't want to monopolize the company. Anyway, so I. And maybe it has to do with being outdoors and doing activities and stuff like that. So, you know, in a way that my life now, um, I'm still also not retired and I, I'm still working. And, and, but outside of work, I have activities that I do. And part of it is taking advantage of the living in this climate where you can do lots of outdoor things. And so um, you can find people who, I think ordinarily for me in my, in my past life or past part of my life where, where you had to really make a plan to somebody, hey, do you want to go to a movie or go do something or honey, I'm going out with the guys or that kind of thing. I don't really have that anymore. And now I got people with diverse interests so that, that sometimes share mine and sometimes don't. So, you know, I'll have somebody call me up, hey, you want to go for a bike ride? Oh yeah, I want to go for a bike ride. So there, there's something and there's somebody, you know, do you want to play tennis? Yes, I want to play tennis. That'd be great. Or I can do the same thing, you know, back to them. And um, so uh, that have all these activities now that are not really, they, cr they cross all boundaries. You know, you don't have to worry about, do, am I going to agree with this person's politics or um, are, uh, are they going to want something from me? Am I going to want something from them? No, let's just, let's go for a bike ride. Mm, well, I mm. think that's changed to me. That's changed the dynamic. Yes, beautiful, beautiful. Now, I was going to say that, you know, very often we hear that um, uh, that men really like to relate around activities. So, you know, there's a little bit of confirmation there, but there's a whole lot more there than that. And we will come back around to that. How about you guys? And well, like Chuck, I have a question for you because I haven't seen you in so long. Not retired commercial uh, <laughs> agent person. Um, how has your friendship changed, you think, from uh, before, perhaps in a at a different age or pre-pandemic and now? What are your thoughts about that? Well, my friends, I have both women and men friends. Some of the women are my wife's friends, but some are women I work with. And I enjoy working with women, particularly women that are starting a new business or looking for a particular kind of real estate or they're investors. And I form friendships with them. But those friendships are pretty much limited to the duration of whatever we accomplish together. So I get them a new place or I get them a new architect or I get them a new plumber and uh, help them move along on their way. And uh, we're, we're good friends at the time. 
Uh, there are very few women that I call up and say, let's have coffee, but there's a half a dozen of those that I do, but they're mostly in the real estate business. Um, in terms of guys, it's about the same. You know, I'll call them up or they'll call me up and we'll have coffee. And we discuss everything from religion to politics to how's it going. Uh, and it hasn't changed much since the pandemic. I've, I've been an independent broker for, I work for a company, but that's a long story. They provide me with a receptionist and a, a desk and telephones and copy machines and things like that. Uh, but most of my time is spent right here where I am now in front of my computer uh, doing deals. And I, I analyze financials, write business plans and things like that. And it sounds like you're enjoying being a mentor, that when you can be a mentor, that that adds another dimension. Um, to, you know, like you said, to people who are considering being in the business where you could be of service. So I just want to um, underline, underscore that being of service thing. And yeah, Bibi. And I want to underline the fact that all these three men are 50 and perhaps even 60 plus, and yet they continue to work, 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 right? So that's one of, I think, one of the attractive points to me about talking to these guys is because they are so engaged still in, the bus in their business life and their profession and their passion. Dr. Marks, um, tell us about your relationships on, on covering them or connecting to your friendships or reconnecting since the pandemic how has that changed for you um it's changed pretty significantly i think i have um i've become i tend to be introverted so i don't mind sitting at my desk and doing this but i've found through the pandemic you know more of a need to connect with people so I literally schedule times when we were shut down to do Zoom contacts, FaceTime with my men friends. I even, um, I grew up in a really small town. So one of the things I did was reached out to a number of people that I literally grew up with from kindergarten through high school. And we hadn't connected in a long time, but we were all locked down. So, so I reached out to about 12 people and we got together in the height of the pandemic once a month. And now we've kind of extended it out once the vaccines came. So I find myself making more of an effort. I, I tend to resonate with what Ron was saying that as men, we we tend to get together around activities, whether it's selling property, it's, it's always activity uh, to go, you know, have a cup of coffee and talk existential issues, not so much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you want to talk about bike riding or the kind of bike you got or, you know, whatever we, we tend to do these. So I found myself during the pandemic and being isolated is really, um, 
I don't want to say forced, but made me aware of my own needs. And then what were the things that I could do in the midst of this to engage with, and especially other men. You know, I'm always curious about initiating new friendships because reconnecting, I think it's one of the themes of the pandemic has been reconnecting with people we haven't spoken to in a while. I think there was a basic curiosity that people had, a very natural, compassionate curiosity about, hey, how are you doing? Whether you're in New York or Massachusetts or you know, Connecticut, Texas, California, how are you doing with the fires? How are you doing with the floods? <laughs> how are you doing in this time? Um, but what about initiating new friendships? How does that work? Like starting from zero? <laughs> how, do you find yourself in a situation where you would develop a friendship or even initiate it if somebody else doesn't? Just curious. Ron, can you answer that? Well, again, yeah, I mean, I, this answer is sort of related to my first answer, and it has to do with circumstance. And then I guess I should say this. So we live in a, a, a 50, over 50 active adult community. And um, so there's, we have a lot of peers. This is, a, this is again, it's back to, to who, who your, your peers are. And so I have actually been able to initiate friendships with people here, you know, every, you're always, you know, we have shared, we have a shared context. So no matter what we did in our lives or where else we lived before like that, we have the shared context of being here now. We all live in, in similar homes. So we have, we shop in the same grocery store, uh, you know, so there's all these sort of little bits of context that um, I think some ways we, you know, uh, we take for granted. So we, we already have all this shared context. So it's really sort of easy to start a conversation with somebody. And, you know, like I said, like it, Michael said also that about, and you brought this up, you guys brought this up too before about sh shared activities, you know, so if you find somebody and this is, this is the odd thing, you know, for me, Part of it is that I, I, I think we all seek, especially in this time when, when things are so polarized in this country about opinions about one thing or another, that it's, it's easy to sort of write people off as being on the other team and then not wanting to associate with them. And so what I found a couple of things, one is that I, I, I've sort of now have a spectrum of people <laughs> that I know. There's some who that I just might wave to as I pass by on the street. There's others where I might say, hi, how's the weather? How's your dog? Um, there's other people who, you know, I know that where we share political or philosophical uh, opinions. And so there we, we have that context. And then there's people who are sort of crossover people. So like, um, where, where you have something in common that is such a bond that the other things don't really matter and you just don't talk about them. So like, so like I got a guy, I got a baseball buddy, a sports buddy. So he, he loves, he's got season tickets to University of Arizona women's softball. That's how much he likes baseball. All right. And so 
for some reason he's able to, I don't, I don't put him in the sort of like knucklehead category, 180 degree knucklehead category. Where I Although that's some people very where, cute. Where I, love every, off, yeah. I love anybody who's a knucklehead. Oh I man, I, just... I know some serious knuckleheads. <laughs> But, uh, Thank you. Uh, yeah. you know, I just avoid them. But, but, so, but I don't put, for some reason, he doesn't get in this category. I don't know why. Let's talk about <laughs> those reasons, because those are um, really important. Those, that's the stuff of chemistry. It's the stuff of relationship. Oh, and it's deeper. I think it's really deeper. What do you say, Dr. Michael? What do you think about that? You know, the stuff, the... Um, the chemistry uh, uh, of certain relationships. Again, even as Chuck was alluding to, is that um, a lot of things are activity or work-related, okay? So as long as we're kind of focused on the mission or the task, some of these differences, in a sense, are relevant. So, so if I'm clicking with somebody on a project, we may have different philosophical beliefs, different political beliefs. That isn't really gonna matter a whole lot to me, as long as we're getting the mission accomplished. So friendships can grow out of that. We may agree to disagree and we're just not gonna talk about that kind of stuff. Um, so, I, to answer your question, I think they, you know, again, as we get older, those kind of things either become less important or more important. Um, the click, yeah. though, the click, like you say, yeah. Yeah. is really um, is really special, you know, and it transcends all of the other things that that can go on in a relationship. Like you just love. You know, you just love a person for who they are. That that is the thing that is the largest. What do you think, Chuck? What's your experience? Well, I'm thinking about the relationships I have now. Uh, I play the guitar very badly, but me too. <laughs> I, I have some friends that tolerate me, and uh, when we play the guitar, we talk about music and we talk about techniques and and uh, thinks about music. Uh, but the uh, COVID vaccination and separation has come into play when I find out that one of my favorite guitar players, who's a, he's a brilliant guitar player, uh, is a non-vax guy. Now I'm a vax guy. I'm a two jab guy. <laughs> Waiting for the third. <laughs> Which could happen this month. Yeah, <laughs> so I just turned 65, so I'm eligible. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah, we no. like it. Turning 65 is is a rite of passage that a lot of people look forward to. Actually, let me confess, I'm 81. Yeah. <laughs> you lie good, man. You lie good. You look great, Chuck. <laughs> Thank but you. My, but I, I have a, I have good relationships with my neighbors, and they disagree with my politics. But we have, uh, we have a party coming up in the neighborhood, and uh, it's called the Cool de Sac. Very cute. Uh -huh, very very nice. cute. 
because we're all cool people. But <laughs> half, half are conservatives and half are very liberal. And we don't talk about politics, but we enjoy sharing a barbecue in the cul-de-sac. And one guy's bringing a band. And so that's coming up next weekend. You know so what I, I'm thinking, just listening to you and listening to you say that, Chuck, that it's the sensual, you know, the, the music, the, the food, the, the pleasure, the fun that undercuts or circum, circumvents the mental stuff of what we disagree on. I just want to pose a little different question uh, to all of you. Um, exceptional men as well. And that is, um, what can help but at times sort of get in the doldrums, perhaps affected by the intensity of the frequency of the news or how your health may be going at a certain point in time or what's happening in your relationship or anything with family or environment. And when you get into the little darker side, how, what do you do to improve your mood, your outlook and everyday experience of life? What, what grabs you, what pulls you? And let's start with that, Ron, if we may. I was gonna say drink a lot. <laughs> drink a lot, who said this? I think all three raised their yeah. hand. Dr. Oh, Dr. Michael it. brought that up. I don't wanna point, point fingers at anybody. But, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how do you pull yourself out of it? I don't know. I don't. I don't have any specific thing to get out of it. You know, it's funny. There's a funny phrase um, called the doom scrolling. Have you heard that phrase, yeah. doom scrolling? Yeah, yeah. That means that means like going through social media and just kind of going through and right. and just you know looking at bad news and people's dumb comments and just like right. the get the you get this doom feeling that the world is. <laughs> just gone completely to shit and you and there's nothing that can be done about it and uh and it's a terrible time and a sad time and a bad place but um i i, I just i feel like i don't i don't have any mechanism for stepping away from that uh, except that I, i've given myself a little marker there a little consciousness when i catch myself doing it i go no you need, to, you need to stop. You need to stop doing this. You know, it's kind of like me. I'm a big sports guy. I'm a huge sports fan. And so sometimes I forget that, you know, I can do something else. If there's an event or a game or something going on that I'm really interested in and I have some sort of stake, whether it's emotional or, or a, a financial in the outcome, then it, it, I can't really affect it. It's okay for me to step away from it. I'm not going to change the outcome. And I think that is the philosophy that I, that I probably, I probably, the mechanism, I don't know, Dr. Andrea, you would know more about this stuff than me. I'm just guessing at it. Oh, but. well, I was thinking, you know, Dr. Michael as well. Um, I'm thinking that it is really good to catch ourselves doing things that are not helpful whatever they are, you know, yeah. and, and the awareness really helps. Some people are not aware and they really dig themselves into a deep, a deep hole. Dr. Michael, I think, yeah, I think, yeah. I think to Ron's point, I mean, at least what I do is limit the amount of time, you know, I don't doom scroll cause I don't want to make myself depressed or angry. <laughs> uh, and I'm, you know, 
honest enough with myself to know that. So part of it's limiting it. It's also um, focusing on the relationships and nurturing the relationships I do have. Um, you know, it's practicing gratitude. It's not, um, you know, I think a lot of people got into when the vaccines came out, it's like, okay, this is all over. Um, I took more of an approach, this will be over when it's over and I'm not gonna, you know, wish that I'll be home by Christmas kind of thing mm -hmm. that people will do, um, that it's gonna be as long as it's gonna be. So taking a, a more realistic uh, outlook, the other, and some of this has to do with new friendships uh, is more really trying to nurture the friendships that I do have and make sure those are solid. Um, you know, so those are the kinds of things at least that I do to, and work. I mean, all of us still work. It's, we find meaning and purpose. Um, we find it is something that I can control. I can't control who gets vaxxed, who doesn't, what their politics are or any of those kinds of things, but I can control what I'm doing and find meaning and purpose in it. And uh, it is something I can do something about where some of these other things, uh, they're way above my pay grade. I love this about you three. Um, the two words that stand out in my mind right now are awareness and acceptance, right? And that's what sort of you were talking about under those two umbrella words. And they're very inspiring and they're very true to my life and how we see uh, what we provide and offer uh, as far as healing insights um, through our podcasts and ebooks and uh, soon to be courses. And I'd like to just maybe get us to the bonus round, if I may. And we'll start with Chuck and ask him a question and then all of, and the two of you as well about how is your level of patience? Have you always been patient? Are you patient more now? And uh, in what area of your life do you wish you were more patient? And we're asking this because we're writing on the subject. We're about to publish a book called Patience and Possibility. And we are so interested in your feedback and your comments. So Chuck, tell us about that. Well, I am what I would call a very laid back sort of person. And I've always been that way. At the same time, I'm very driven. I like to accomplish things. And I've always been that way too. I started out as a paper boy and I wanted to write the most subscriptions, new customers. I, uh, I used to buy onions by the 50 pound bags and sell them door to door for 15 cents a bag. Oh. What a cool idea. <laughs> oh. So I've just been always really active. I guess I have a business mind. Mm -hmm. I do have some business training and I enjoy business. I, I like to listen to both sides in the economic political uh, spectrum. 
And sometimes I'll use that opportunity to explain things to some of my friends that don't feel the same way politically as I do. So I can explain the ramifications of some economic decisions just, just to test the water and see if they can see uh, the path that we're on and, and appreciate what's going to happen if they, if they don't pay attention. You know, it's interesting in terms of what you're asking, BB. What we're so fascinated by is patience um, and also what it's related to. So if we're looking to influence, then we can be patient as we teach. I mean, all three of you guys are mentors for you know, for, for other people. You enjoy teaching. You enjoy teaching in your own realm, but you also enjoy the process of watching other people learn. And so being an influencer and living with a certain amount of patience, I think that's an interesting concept. And also the duality of what you say, right, about, you know, that you could be really patient and laid back and at the same time competitive and turned on by getting things done and accomplishing. I like that dichotomy there, if Thank it is you. a dichotomy. Marks, uh, yes, I wanted to hear your opinion about yeah, this. I would be lying if I said I'm a patient person. My, my wife will accuse me of, she will set the record straight and say, no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I, although I tend to be more, I suspect like Chuck is, that I can be pretty laid back, but I can get uh, stubborn. I have a vision and I know where we need to go. And so let's go. Um, so I can be impatient that way. Um, and so during the pandemic is kind of to come back to your question, BB, is, you know, this has been an opportunity to really learn more patience, that things aren't going to get done in a certain timeline, or we can get together and have a business meeting or lunch and, you know, figure out A, B, C, D, that some of those things aren't necessarily gonna, you know, gonna work. So um, that's been a skill I've had to refine and improve on because of the pandemic. Um, I was gonna say, it sounds like there's a, there's a pandemic induced patience phenomenon. <laughs> that, that I think is the reason why we even chose to um, write on patience and possibility, because uh, it was about the time that there was talk of the vaccine coming out, there was talk, and then among people, it's why isn't it here yet? Where is it? When is it happening? It's like, wait a second, there's science involved in developing such a thing, you know, and then it became very, very interesting to think about how come some people can be more patient than others, or is the pandemic a teaching phenomenon for the development of patients? And also what effect it has on our health, because if we're under the 
auspices of rushing and our blood sort of simmering and we can't wait for something to happen, then we really are affecting our internal mental and physical state. So patience is so important of a topic. So Ron, take us away with your patience cures and perspectives. And of course, we know one of them is Oh my God, you're one of the funniest men on the planet. So oh, there you yes. go. <laughs> Sweet of you to say so, even though, even if it isn't remotely <laughs> true. But <laughs> um, so it it, it's funny, it's interesting to me. I was, a, when I was sort of putting my thoughts together here and to have uh, Dr. Michael confess to being impatient in, with, at home or in his relationship, his primary relationship uh, with his wife. And I, I was, the funny thing was that I was about to form the sort of the same kind of confession. And that I also, I think that's one of the things that all three of us guys share is that, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty laid back people. I'm a pretty laid back guy. If any, you ever asked anybody to describe me, they would go, they would say that, oh, you know, he's pretty chill, right? You know, the laid back guy. And that's how I do, I do business the same way. I'm not a very good, I've had to learn, um, I, I have no background or real uh, aptitude for business. I had to learn it through the school of hard knocks and as, as it went along. And, and so I applied a lot of my basic personality to it. And that's the way I, I do it. That's the way I work. I'm very laid back and very patient. I, I am always uh, uh, of, the, of the thought, you know, it's really funny. My daughter is a, is, I don't know, my, my daughter is a very animal person. She's going, she has horses and she was a vet tech and she's studying to be a uh, environmental scientist. Anyway, so, so when she was a little kid, uh, and so she's always around animals. And, uh, and I used to say to her, you know, uh, dear uh, honey, you can, uh, you catch more flies. Oh, you catch more flies with honey. Then you, what's the phrase? Yeah, then with vinegar. vinegar. With vinegar. <laughs> and uh, she said, no, dad, you catch more flies with manure. <laughs> which I thought was, uh, uh, I went, yeah, well, you know what? That's, that's actually true. So uh, I, I stopped using that phrase, but um, the, the, that's, a true, that's a true story. But I, I think that what it is, it's odd for me, but in my primary relationship is where I tend to be impatient and I don't know why. And I think it maybe it's because it's such an intimate relationship and there's no real barrier and there's no pretense and there's no, you don't, there's never the thought, oh, I can't show this emotion or I can't say that. And sometimes, because there's no barrier, sometimes you step over the line, or I do anyway. And so I tend to be, uh, you think, oh, well, this is no one, no one is seeing or hearing this except the two of us. So therefore, it doesn't matter, which is, of course, not true at all. <laughs> it matters a great deal. So uh, where I have to really, I find, practice patience is in my most intimate relationships. And yeah. in, in, in the external ones, in the business related one and outside ones, it comes, it comes kind of naturally. I don't know why that is. I would prefer it maybe to be the other way around, but that's something. But the, the good news is, is that I, I, I am aware of it. I'm something I'm working on. I am aware of it. And I, uh, I guess that's the first step is to sort of identifying it and then being aware. So I'm getting better at that. So, like so beautifully <laughs> said, both of you. And Chuck, yes, you wanted to add something about that also. 
Yes. Uh, you know, very early in my 20s, I took a Dale Carnegie course, and that has been my guiding light. I try not to criticize, condemn, or complain. And everybody has a sign on their forehead that says, make me feel important. So I make it a point when I'm meeting with clients, especially, but with friends, to listen and to help make them feel important, make them feel appreciated. And I think the more I do that, the better I get at it. I'm not perfect at it. But me and my wife and I don't criticize. We don't complain. If she says, can you get this thing fixed? I say, sure. And then she will never ask me again. And that motivates me to fix it even a little quicker. Wow. <laughs> wow. These are like amazing skills and amazing thoughts and insights. And Dr. I'm writing Michael? that down. I'm writing that down, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a contract. It sounds like it's a contract. Um, so it sounds like like we're having a conversation about, you know, some basic temperamental uh, leanings toward patients. Um, and then there's the context of what the greater situation of quarantine and, and waiting to find out what's going to happen is around us all the time. So it sounds like there's some, you know, spending more time at home in the house with the same person, if you have a partner, it certainly can allow for more impatience to, to blossom here and there. Um, but sounds like all three men here are extremely aware, which I always say is 75% of the solution or 75% of, of changing a behavior. Um, Dr. Marks, Michael Marks, just anything me. else you wanted to say there or were you just exercising your arm? No, it's, it's just nice to, to see my, you know, two guys that I did a radio podcast for. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen him in forever. Well, I saw Chuck a week or so ago, but yeah, I haven't seen you in forever, Ron. No, I know. You know, we talked about maybe going for a coffee or something sometime and, yeah. you know, we don't live that far apart physically. And uh, so maybe mm -hmm. we should <laughs> do that. Down the hill. Sometime. We'll go down to the hill. Yeah. Yeah. For you sure. know, that's, that's pretty typical of men. We always get together and we say, you know, we need to have coffee and then nothing ever happens. Yeah. Right. That's the initiation part and the completion and the follow through. And yeah. what do you think gets in the way of following through? Just out of curiosity. For me, it's, I think this is where work can become a excuse, an obstacle. I got this to do. I got that to do. I got this project tomorrow. Uh, holy cow, I'm tired. I think we go take a nap. <laughs> um, and, and, and at this stage of life, you know, we've been talking about that too, is uh, I'm not going to stay up till 11 o'clock midnight, you know, with somebody. I got to go home, go to bed. <laughs> so I think there are those kinds of... Uh, Time constraints? Time constraints, but also we can use them as kind of as we were talking about a little bit as excuse, you know, um, just not making the time. Where is it? A is it as a priority? You know, we don't, we tend not to do that. Yeah. And I think that's true. What I'm hearing out of this is 
That's pretty true of men. Our, our friendships are certainly not as high up on the list, I think, as women and their need to connect with uh, people uh, on, a, on a deeper level. Um, so it's, you know, as I've often said, you know, I mean, after our first little league season, none of us cry anymore. If we're me, you know, <laughs> we've already, you know, rub some dirt on it and get back in the game. So get back know. in the game. I think that's yeah, a great statement walk to it end off. this podcast <laughs> with, right, Dr. Yes. Andrea? Take us home then with our closing. I really um, enjoy being with the, the three of you and, and BB together. And so um, just wanting to say that we always learn so much from being with you. It's a great conversation. I think I wish we could be together as we have been in the past. It's all about chemistry. But big thank you to Chuck Corriere businessman par excellence in general, <laughs> Michael Marks, um, psychologist and general philosopher, Ron Reed as someone who is out there in the trenches and experimenting with relationships all the time. We appreciate all of your perspectives and especially on life in this ever-changing era. So um, may you continue to have the patience to keep on learning and sharing your wisdom. We look forward really to seeing you again. Thanks for being with us. This has been Thanks great, for been great fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah, appreciate you. You're welcome. We're immensely grateful to AARP Arizona for their support. Have a listen to the 32nd message from AARP about protecting yourself online in relation to dating scams. This problem is particularly daunting in these times of isolation and loneliness. Be careful out there. I matched with this cutie on a dating site. We texted all the time, but never met up. Then he asked to send him gift cards for a plane ticket to see me. And that's when I remembered a tip I got from the AARP Fraud Watch Network. Gift cards? This is a romance scam. Spent that money on self-care instead. Recognize fraud sooner so your money lives longer. The younger you are, the more you need AARP.